You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, sit down. Let's get into God's word. Say hi to three people around you. It's nice to see you in church. Welcome to service. We've missed you. Welcome back. I thought I saw Tofumi this morning. Where is she? Where is she? Raise your hand. Where's Tofumi? Welcome back. We missed you. Welcome back to church. And everyone who has been gone for a while, welcome back. Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. I'm seeing a vision about someone's life. This is what I see. I know exactly what it is for. It's like there is a bucket. And it seems like the Lord keeps pouring into that bucket. But the bucket doesn't hold water. So it just keeps leaking away. And it has been the story of your life for a long time. You can't say the Lord is not good to you because you have seen the Lord's goodness. But somehow, it doesn't matter how many testimonies you share. It seems as if every time God does something in your life, it slips away from your hands. That's an oppression of the devil. And in the name of Jesus, I decree it comes to an end now. In the name of Jesus, I decree it comes to an end now. There's someone in the room or online, I'm not very sure about this. A while ago, it's a while now, a couple of years ago, your mother took you to someone and they bathed you with something. They poured water on your body, did some, in the name of cleansing and work they were doing on you. But since that day till now, you felt movements in your body. If you are not... Can you raise your hand if you're the one I'm talking about? Is there anyone like that? I know there's no embarrassment here. In fact, the reason why we're asking is so that we can help together. Can you raise your hand? You felt movements in your body. And it has refused to stop. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May the Lord's mercy prevail. Let's get into God's word. Mm-hmm. Every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. Amen. He is risen from the dead. He is Lord. Every That's Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 27 verse 46. Matthew 27 46. We started the teaching on divine leading last week. And um, we'll see that teaching to wherever it takes us. Matthew 27 46. For that person who has had movements in the body, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that the movements come to an end now. Listen, be very careful where you go to in the name of solution. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be very careful where you go to in the name of solutions. Be very careful. The devil does not have your best interest at heart. Do you hear me? He will give you with one hand and take much more with another. Be very careful where you go to in the name of solutions. Don't sacrifice your future on their altar of immediate pleasure. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. The devil has successfully desensitized our generation to his operations. And so things that other people knew and knew very well, it seems like in our own generation we rebranded them. Somebody wakes up and you begin to talk about abortion and you say it's about choice. Understand that a lot of physical actions have spiritual consequences. Do you hear what I'm saying? A lot of physical actions have what? Spiritual consequences. And so on the day Solomon was crowned king, he offered a thousand cattle to the Lord. And he slept that night and the Lord came to meet him in a dream. It's true that we often teach that we don't give because we want God to bless us. But all through scripture, you cannot deny the fact that in the Bible, many times, Many spiritual activities were tied to seasons of sacrificial giving. So an angel appears to Cornelius, for instance, and says to Cornelius, your arms, your giving, have ascended to the Lord as a memorial. One of the things that you must never let, and I'm not preaching about giving, I'm using giving to illustrate that sometimes, in many instances, Physical activities have spiritual consequences. You understand what I'm saying? One of the things you must never let the devil close your mind to is this fact. I have prayed for way too many ladies who entered into some form of demonic oppression because of an abortion. The devil will tell you, oh no, it's just choice. It's your choice. I'm choosing myself over, some people say, over a stranger. No, you're not just, you're killing someone. Do you understand? And activities like that have spiritual consequences. So be careful where you go to. They tell you, write one person's name. Don't worry, just write their name. The person won't die. We'll just swap your destiny. You two, you write the name down so that I will have money. And then you have money, but you don't have peace. Because day after day, 
You are a lawful captive. The devil took you captive for himself. You sold yourself to the devil. Many times we, when we hear people sold their soul to the devil, we think what happened was um, they, were, they went to a crossroad and some guy rode a horse and came and offered them a contract and they signed it and that's it. No. It's actually way easier than that. When the devil takes you to the high mountains and says, look at all the kingdoms of this world. Bow before me and I will give you the kingdoms of this world. And then you wait. You say, I know be to just... You know, some of us, we think we'll play a fast one on the devil. That I will bow, but low-key, my mind, Jesus, you, you get now, you serve it. Code it with me. So, you bow. And then, you begin to experience the riches of this world, but you don't understand something. In bowing, you sold yourself to the devil. Now you're under his slavery. He will oppress you the way he wants. The devil doesn't oppress people because he hates them specifically. He oppresses people because he loves oppression. You know how God is love? The devil loves oppression. God is good, the devil is bad. So you don't have to do anything for the devil to oppress you. Do you know? So when you now sell yourself to his slavery, it's even worse. Because at least for us, we can say we are not lawful captives. When we pray, he will, he will shift back a little bit. Someone who has sold themselves, listen, this generation, we're in trouble. You find people who wake up every day, have scorned from Christianity, call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. Um, I was talking with someone yesterday, she was telling me about one of her colleagues that identifies as a witch. She introduces herself that I'm a witch. You know, and the girl probably doesn't know what she's saying. You know, she just feels she's unique and different and woke. And the girl will wondering why she's always battling depression. Always battling one problem after the other. Always, and the devil knows what he's doing. In the beginning, it will look like nothing is happening. Down the line, you now realize my life is upside down. This is why you will keep hearing reports of people who have made so much money, abused Christ. One day you wake up, they've committed suicide. Oppression. Listen, one of the reasons or one of the things that the devil uses to blind the minds of people is that they don't realize this. In this life, you will have tribulations. Do you understand me? It comes with a package. We live in a fallen world. You will have difficult times. Jesus said, he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The believer's true hope is not that this world will be rosy and good for you. We pray for that. But the believer's true hope is that no matter how this world goes, we know one thing for sure, that the eternity that surpasses this one, we have a very good claim on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the devil does not want you to, in fact, some of you, as I'm saying this thing now, you are saying in your mind, so does that mean we should suffer in this world? And so we seek an immediate way out. And the devil knows what the bargain is. You're just like a child who when you were younger they would give you 1,000 naira notes and then your mother would tell you give me the 1,000 naira notes then she would give you um, 50 10 naira notes or 20 10 naira notes and then you would be flaunting before everybody I have more money so they took 
1,000 naira and gave you 200 naira. And you are saying, I have more money. In the immediate, you don't know the value of the little thing that you, you lost. Do you get what I'm saying? That's where many of us are. The devil will take eternity from you and give you 20 years, 40 years of flexing and enjoyment. You say, I have more, I'm enjoying more. But you don't know the value of what you've lost. You've exchanged 1,000 naira notes for 200 naira in 10 naira notes. And you're feeling very good with yourself. I have plenty of money. Praise the Lord. Let's get into today's teaching. I have a lot to teach you. Matthew 27, 46. Everybody read together. I want to go. And about the ninth hour, Jesus answered, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know we are doing a teaching on divine leading, but I want to start here because I want to show you something. I want us to run a commentary on something in theology that is known the Psalm Trilogy. That is Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. All right. We're going to touch Psalm 22, and then we'll flow into Psalm 23. And then if we have time, we'll go into Psalm 24. I want to teach you something very important about divine leading. So Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when he cried this out, he was actually quoting a psalm. You understand? Would you be like Jesus, that even on the cross, the word was still on your lips? Do you hear what I'm saying? He made it a point of note to quote the psalm. So he was actually quoting the psalm. What psalm was he quoting? Psalm 22 verse 1. Psalm 22 verse 1. Um, media team, you're going to have to work with me because I have a whole lot to teach. Everybody read Psalm 22 verse 1 together. I want to go. And so, and so um, a lot of theologians would agree that Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24 are actually messianic psalms. They are psalms about the death of Jesus, his resurrection, and the work he would do, and finally his glorification and ascension. So Psalm 23 goes beyond a psalm of a shepherd leading his sheep. Do you understand? In fact, you see a flow in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 begins with the passions of the Christ. Um, the passions of the Christ refer to the sufferings of the Christ. And it ends with the glorification of the Christ and the work, the result of his suffering and glorification. Are you getting it? So we'll look at some verses in Psalm 22. Look at verse 16. Let's read 16 to 18. People on the screen, you have to be faster than this, please. For, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have done what? Have done what? Read the next line together. Want to go? Does that sound familiar? Next verse. I may, te- I may tell all my bones, and they, they look and stare upon me. Verse, 20, verse 18, rather. 
and cast lots upon my... Does that sound familiar? So, this is another thing you must note. When the soldiers were doing all these things, they were playing out prophecy. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, this was David prophesying about what Jesus would go through. Let's look at... Um, Verse 24. He says, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, that is you and I, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So now we see a transition from they pierced my hands, they to the Lord saved the one who was being afflicted, the one whose hands were pierced. Are you getting it? So we see a transition from the piercing of the hands to the saving of the one whose hands were pierced. Does that make sense? Alright, let's read um, a couple more verses of scripture. Um, verse 25. I didn't, I didn't get that. Now, um, this verse of scripture would make more sense when you look at verse 22 so that it makes, um, I'm just trying to set a foundation for the teaching. Read together one to go. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I, how many of you know that there's a New Testament verse of scripture that, copied, that quoted this? It's in Hebrews chapter 2. Verse, let's read from verse 10, I think. Hebrews 2. So, when he says he would declare thy name unto, unto my brethren, you're about to understand what he meant by he would declare. So, he says, verse 10, For it became him for whom are all things. You know what, can we, can we get this in the HCSB translation that's easier to read? Um, Alright, for it was fitting, everyone, in bringing many sons to glory. What does it mean when he says, in bringing many sons to glory? He's making reference to your salvation experience, is that correct? Alright, he says, for it was fitting... In bringing many sons to glory, that he for whom and through whom all things exist should do what? Should make the source of their salvation perfect through what? Verse 11. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one what? That is why he's not ashamed to call them what? Verse 12. Saying... That's Psalm 22, verse 22, right? So when he was talking about the proclamation of his name to his brothers, he was talking about bringing salvation to us. Is that correct? So we see how Psalm 22 is a psalm on the work of Christ. It begins with his passions. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he walks right into, um, you will not leave the soul of the afflicted in affliction. You will help him out of the affliction. And then it ends with verse 31. Psalm 22, verse 31. All right. It says, They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he has done what? He has done what? Now, I have two ways to explain this to you, and I'm thinking of which way to go. Does anybody have the Good News Bible? Let's start from there. Does anybody have the Good News Bible? Or do we have that? Wave at me if we do. So I'm guessing we don't. But does anyone have the Good News Bible? All right. Um, can we get a microphone for Adora? 
I'd like her to read Psalm 22, verse 31 from the Good News Bible. You know what? Please just come. This media team, they're sleeping. Like the weather is cold for them. Psalm 22, 31. People not yet born will be told, the Lord saved his people. It says, people not yet born will be told that they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that are not yet born, that he had done this. What did he do? He saved his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in... I'm about to say a string of words that you may not understand. Just bear with me. In the writing of the Bible, there's something called the Septuagint. All right. What is the Septuagint? The Septuagint is the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew texts, of the Masoretic texts. Like I said, bear with me. So, so um, when you read, sometimes when they quote, when you, when they quote the Greek, in, like if you read the New Testament quotation of some things quoted in the Old Testament, sometimes it varies a little bit. Right, And the reason why it varies a little bit is because at the time they were reading the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of what was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, this is the scripture he was actually quoting. All right, The Greek phrase, the Greek word for it is finished is I think it's tetelestai. Something like, it's not my language. I speak English, tongues, and Igbo, and a little bit of Yoruba. So, but it's, it's the, the word is tetelestai, and the idea is he has done it. Do you get it? So he was quoting this verse of scripture. So now when you read, um, and I said all of that to explain this, that when you read Psalm 22, what you should see in Psalm 22 is not just David writing some words. Remember, I've taught you the nature of scripture. How's that? Um, you know, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, long ago in times past and in diverse manners, our father, um, the Lord spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But he has in this last day spoken to us in his son. And what that means is that at several points, the prophets would write or pen down the ideas and the thoughts of God without even knowing that they are penning down the ideas and the thoughts of God. That's exactly what's happening here. So in Psalm 22, David was actually lamenting about himself. Do you understand? He was lamenting about himself. But... David was inadvertently um, revealing to us God's plan, the salvation plan from the crucifixion of Jesus where he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All the way down to how he would proclaim the Lord's name amongst his brothers, meaning bringing salvation to the people such that it will be declared to a people that are not yet born, which is you and I now, that the Lord has saved us. Now, this is the backdrop of Psalm 23. Are you getting this now? This is the backdrop of Psalm 23. So you flow from this into the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing you must then realize is that when he says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is the first thing that you will not want? What is the first thing you will not be lacking? Salvation. Are you getting this? Uh So having that at the back of your mind, you can now understand why he begins to say things like, he leads me beside still waters. Because what, like, when, when you are a shepherd and you need to lead sheep, you need to lead them where they can drink from. And so what we see in Psalm 22 is the past work of Christ. 
Are you following? But what we see in Psalm 23 is the ever-present walk of the Spirit. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? What we see in Psalm 22 is what Christ did on the cross. And Psalm 23 reveals the work of the Spirit. And then Psalm 24 reveals the glorification of our Christ, of our Lord and our King. So um, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the foundations and all that dwell therein. For he has founded upon the waters and established upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the heavens, O Lord, and who shall stand before his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of our salvation. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted. I skipped the verse. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. That's Psalm 24. It's talking about the, the ascended Christ, the glorified Christ. But Psalm 22 talks about the suffering Christ, the, the work of Christ, the passion of the Christ and what he will do. And Psalm 23 walks right into the work of the Spirit keeping in keeping in step with what Christ has done in the life of the believer. Are you following this? This why it's called the trilogy. So it's like a story being told. Do you get it? Now, I'm saying all of that to explain something to you that when it comes to divine leading, the first point of contact that we must acknowledge God's divine leading is in our salvation. Are you getting what I'm saying? The first point of contact where we must acknowledge divine leading is salvation. In fact, in scripture, divine leading is used more times to talk about God's salvific work than it is used to talk about direction as in go forward, go left, go right, jump up, spin around and fall down, you know? Praise the Lord. And so you look at John chapter 10 verse 27. Let me see if I can do the main body of the teaching now. John chapter 10, we'll start reading from verse 25. Look to the screen, everybody. It says, Jesus answered them. I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, verse 26. But ye believe not because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, verse 27. Pay attention to this now. Read together, one, two, go. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What's that punctuation mark at the end there? All right, next verse. And I do what? And they shall never. So when he said, my sheep hear my voice. Remember, what he said before this was, well, you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Well, the ones who are my sheep, they hear my. When he said, my sheep hear my voice, but these people don't believe because they are not his sheep. What would it therefore mean when he says, my sheep hear my voice? My sheep believe in me. They are my sheep because they believe in me. When they believe in me, they have heard my voice. They've answered a call that I put out. Are you following this? Are you following this? And what was the call for? I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Are you getting this? So this is something you will learn very quickly. When it comes to the subject of divine leading, God initiates the process. And he initiated it at salvation first. 
No one was saved because they came to the Lord. Everyone is saved because the Lord called. And he answered the call. But he had to put out a call first. So Romans chapter 10 says, um, So therefore, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. No. Romans 10, 17. For with the heart. No, Romans 10, 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But how shall they be saved if they haven't heard? And how shall they hear if someone hasn't been sent to preach? Are you following this? So they, they are only saved because they heard the word of God. And they heard the word of God only because God sent it to be preached. So we see something. Salvation is God's first call to man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Salvation is God's first call to man. And this should tell you something important. When it comes to the subject of divine leading, do not negate God's providence. Listen, there's something you must learn now. God is more interested in communicating with you than you are in communicating with him. And so if more people learn this, the questions around divine leading might reduce a little bit. Because even before I knew that I needed to be led, he sent his son to die for me. And in, in the death, burial, resurrection of his son and the um, giving of the spirit, a call was made that I answered. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I've said this many times when I'm preaching. Many of you, if you sit down and think about the circumstances that led to your salvation, you realize that God really did call you. You, you would see the providence, the, the, the outworking of God's design in the way you were saved. You were walking by in one room, going by your life. You didn't really care about God. You went to go and borrow Gary from somebody inside the room. You opened the door. I begged you have Gary. They said, okay. And the guy happened, his guy, the guy's roommates happened to be playing a message. You heard the message, heard a snippet and left. Three weeks after, you wake up from your sleep and that message is playing in your mind. Now you have questions on your heart and you're looking for answers to those questions. That's how God saved many people. For some people, you were on your own. Some people came from another place and said, God sent us to your school to preach to you people. Am I saying the truth? They finished preaching, you gave your life to Christ. Divine providence. But he called you first. And so, when you are approaching the subject of leading, do not approach it as though there are gimmicks that I must engage in to get God to lead me. Mm -mm. Approach it as though God is always speaking. I just need to learn how to listen. I'm communicating with someone who is willing to lead. Praise the Lord. He is the shepherd. The sheep don't ask for leadership. Do you hear? The shepherd gives the leadership. The shepherd decides, okay, today we are going this way. And they hear his voice and they know it. The sheep don't say, shepherd, speak to us now. 
when we understand this, there are so many things that we will do better. Some ways we pray will change. All the gods speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. You realize he's probably speaking. I'm the one who is not listening. Because I know one thing for sure. He is more eager to communicate with me than I am to communicate with him. And if you're honest, you'll know it's true. You most times only go to God when you have issues. That's the only time you want to hear his voice. And then when he tells you what to do, you disappear. Praise the Lord. And so it reminds me of the story of Samuel. There was a need for a prophet. Samuel's mother, Samuel's mother had already at his birth offered him up to the Lord. Is that true? Now, what many people will think is that years later, when it was time for Samuel to begin his ministry, God be waiting for Samuel to come to the temple. Then Samuel did not come. Then God will now tell Gabriel, you can see this woman. When she needed a child, she came and made us a promise. Time to fulfill the promise. We can't find her. That's what many people think God is like. Then God will now maybe cause Samuel to die. Then she will now go and see one pastor. The pastor will now, now cast her mind back. And say, when you were 22 years old, you told God X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Why didn't you fulfill your promise to God? She will now start crying. Had I known. The makings of a very good Nigerian movie, right? But when it was time for Samuel to begin his ministry, God called him. How, how fantastic is it? It was time for this guy to start the work of God. And do you know that this is not the only time it happened? It also happened with Moses. Is that true? Ah, it happened with Jeremiah also. <laughs> so we see something consistent. God is, he does not shy away from communication. You people forgot, I'll remind you. He doesn't shy away from it. And he is a master communicator. If there's nothing, see, if you don't remember anything from this series, remember this, God is a master communicator. He knows how to talk to you for you. To many other people or to many other, any other person, a burning bush would have been a scary experience. You walk into, do you know how, do you know how ridiculous that is? Your sheep, your, one of your goats ran away. You chased the goods. Then you now lifted up your eyes. And you were looking at a bush that was on fire, that was not burning. Maybe you've never sat down to think about it. That experience looks photoshopped. Like, it just looks like, what's going on? Personally, I will run. I don't know about, I will run. Some other people or some other person would see the burning bush that's on fire and is not being burned. And they will run only to return with others that come and see what I saw. Is it true? But God knew how to get Moses' attention and keep it. Do you know what I'm saying? He also knew how to get Samuel's attention. So Samuel is lying down in the cool of the night and he hears a voice, Samuel. Now, again, please hear me out. There's no light. You are in your room. Everywhere is dark. You know you are the only one inside that room. You now hear your name. Then you now went out and asked Eli, did you call me? Eli said no. 
And you still went back inside that room to lie down. And you were sleeping. You must be a very courageous person. Really courageous. But God knew how to get Samuel's attention for Samuel. Is that true? God knows how to get your attention. Trust me, he does. You know, when I was a younger minister, I'm still young, but when I was younger, and I had just come into knowledge of right doctrine, when people come and tell me, oh, I saw this thing, and what it means to me is X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, I'm like, you're just being too superstitious. God only talks to us via his word and the leading of the spirits. What I didn't understand was the leading of the spirit is dynamic depending on who the spirit is leading. You understand what I'm saying? Ah, yes. So for one person, you will ask God for a sign and he will ask you to put your hand inside your pocket and you will bring it out and you are leprous. That's the leading of the spirit. <laughs> you know that's what happened to Moses. He put his hand in his pocket and he brought it out. And guess what? Leprosy. And then God says, put it again. Ah. You better fix it. Because <laughs> I don't ask you to lead me. But another person asks for a sign. And God will wet the floor around one stone and leave the stone dry. Then the next day, he will wet the stone and leave the floor dry. And the one who was leprous did not say, why didn't you wet stone for me? What's wrong with you? The spirit knows how to communicate with you for you. Never negate the providence of God. So now, when someone tells me, I was praying, I heard these words. If I don't understand it, I just tell you, write it down. Because the, my experience with God, weeks down the line, you will start seeing what you wrote down play out. And you will know, ah, this is what God was talking to me about. Do you know that there is no gift of the Spirit like dreaming? Do you know? Dreaming is not a gift of the Spirit. I hope you know. But do you know there are many believers that if they tell you, I saw you in a dream, you will, you will reevaluate what they said. Because almost every dream, the dream comes to pass. And it's the leading of God. Let me tell you another one that will shock you. There are many unbelievers who dream like that too. And it is the leading of God. How did God tell Abimelech that Sarah was not Abraham's sister but his wife? How did God tell Abimelech? In a dream. Is that correct? Was Abimelech a Christian or a follower of God? No, he was a pagan king, in case you don't know. He was a pagan king. There's something you must learn. God's leading, although it is amplified for the believer, is for everybody God created. You must learn it now. That's the reason why these people will sleep. You will see somebody that will say, since I was born, every time I have a dream, it comes, it's accurate. If I dream and I see this thing happening to someone, I'm sure it will happen to the person. If I dream and I see details about a person's life, it's true. And these people, they are some of the worst people you know. But those dreams still continue. Because you might be wise men, skilled in astronomy and astrology, and God will use the stars to direct you. If God is willing to use the stars of the night to direct people who don't really believe in him, how much more you, 
Are you following this? What I'm trying to show you is God's providence in divine leading, the way he chooses to lead. And so you have a prophet who another king called and paid him some money and said, go and curse God's people. And the Lord must have been trying to get this guy's attention. Now, don't do it. But, you know, there's a way, and I'll talk about this more next week, reasons why we don't, we don't hear God. Many things deafen our ears to the voice and the leading of God. Many things. Number one is circumstances. Number one, chief of the things that the circumstances. Let me tell you something. Do you know that it is easier for somebody who is poor to hear God's voice than someone who is rich? Do you know? You don't know. Someone who doesn't have money, and I'm not saying I will be poor, will not point Jesus' name. But somebody who doesn't have money is always looking for God's attention. He always listens to everything God has to say. Someone who has money will do things because he has the money to do them, whether it's God's choice or not. Circumstances have deafened the person. So now they call Balaam and they put money in his hand and the money closed his ears. Prophet of God, but you cannot hear again. And so he climbed donkey and he was going to destroy these people. And guess what? Do you know why God was warning Balaam? Because God knew that if he opened his mouth to speak against God's blessed, God would punish him. So many times we must understand something that sometimes God's warning is not against the devil, it's against himself. He knows what he will do to you if you go, if you break the edge, the serpent will bite. He knows what to do to you. So he's warning you. So he calls Balaam and he begins to warn Balaam and Balaam is not listening. And so he puts an angel on the road, on the way to that place. What was the duty of the angel? To stroke Balaam's, to, keep, to guide him in all his ways. Let's dash before he gets a stone. No. The angel was standing with a sword ready to kill him. Because you don't curse who God has blessed. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ah, you don't curse who God has blessed. So the angel was standing with a sword ready to nod him. And God is trying to warn Balaam that I put an angel in your way. If you keep going, you will die. Go back and return this money you've collected. But the guy wasn't listening. And so God causes his donkey to stop moving. That's the first thing. The donkey stopping was an act of God's divine leading. Do you know? Ah, the donkey stopped moving. Balaam got down. May we not be as insensitive as Balaam was. I would rather be called superstitious but be sensitive than to be woke and be extremely insensitive. Sometimes when you are in divorce and not working out, pause. Say, wait, God, are you telling me? Talk to me. Maybe I've not been listening. Because Balaam was going, the donkey stopped moving. Oh, God, stop going. Stop. Rest. Rest first. Maybe when you rest, you will hear God. No, we must go. We must, we must cause them. And so he begins to flog the donkey. He begins to wipe. Oramo God. Wipe. Wipe the donkey's spirit. And at some point, the donkey got angry and opened his mouth and began to talk. That old guy, what was doing you? You are supposed to be a prophet. Your eyes are meant to be open. But money have blinded your eyes so much so that you can't see an angel that is standing right in front of you. Now your work with that too. For me, donkey, that my entire work is to eat grass and carry you where you're meant to go. I can see the angel, but you can't see the angel. 
And it was until the spectacular leading came that Balaam now had sense. I often tell people, the thing is, when we're looking for God's leading, we often look for spectacular leading. I often say that if God leads you spectacularly, you're in trouble sometimes because he will probably lead you with so spectacular a sign because he was giving you the simpler ones and you were not listening. And you were not listening. You are waiting for him to come and say, my son, my son. I say, ah, speak father. Or Olu Jacobs, whichever one is talking, just talk to him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so, number one, if you will recognize the voice of the shepherd, if I was going to retitle today's teaching, it's how to be led by God. If you would recognize the voice of the shepherd, the first thing you must know is the shepherd is always leading. So as it were, you are not looking for divine leading. You are discovering divine leading. Do you know the difference? You are not searching for it as something that doesn't exist and you have to search miles and miles and miles to find it. But rather, it's right there. You just need to open your eyes and open your ears and hear. Think of it like a radio wave. We are all in this room now and there are radio frequencies flying around. I hope you know. There are radio frequencies everywhere. In fact, as we are talking, it's not just radio frequencies. There are two people who are making phone calls. Somebody's probably inside this guest house now, making a phone call to someone somewhere. And the frequencies are flying in the air. Can you see it? If you can see it, let's pray for you. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Many times because you're not tuned to the right station. Is that true? Is that correct? Ah, so you put on your, your, your car or you... Because people hardly buy radios these days. These day. So you put on your car and you put on the radio and you tune the radio and you tune to a station and somebody that is somewhere in the Kedja broadcasting, you will catch the frequency of what they are broadcasting because it's in the air. It's, it has always been there. The radio is on air 247. But you would only hear it when you tune into it. That's the way God's leading is. He is always leading. But until you tune and give attention to God's voice, you won't hear what he's saying. The problem is many of us, we get distracted easily. We get distracted ever so easily. You're distracted by many things. And so when God is leading, we, we, don't, we, don't know, we don't know it. Another reason why we miss God's leading is because we have an expectation of how God must lead us. We have, we ex- there's a way we want God to lead us. But remember, God is a master communicator. He knows how to lead you for you, per time. Because the way you were led today, He might want to lead you that way tomorrow and you will say no. You are not sensitive to it anymore. It's true. So God will keep doing many things to get your attention. The problem is, he would say things, send people, talk to you, and you, I've seen people. 10, 15, 20 people have come to tell them, God is telling you to do X, Y, Z. And their response will always be, until God tells me himself. 
We also talk about methods of God's leading. Number one is the word. Number two will interest you. It's God's people. Do you know? Number one, the word of God. Number two, God's people. Not you, not your mind, not your hearing. God's But we often have how we want God to lead us. Sometimes, yesterday I went for a meeting. And then, after the meeting, there was a young man, I called him aside. And then I, he came to greet me after the meeting. I had just prayed for people who, um, I ministered at the program. So I prayed for people who were in ministry. And so the young man called me aside after the meeting. I thank you so much, I was blessed. So I asked him, are you, are you in ministry? He said, hey, I was NCCF chairman. And the thing is, God's leading is so specific. Right? So when he was talking, although that's a form of ministry, I knew that's not what God asked this man to do, primarily. So I said, what did God say you should do? He laughed. He said, um, I don't have a ministry per se. You're lying to me. So by word of knowledge, I told him, how about, what has God been telling you about schools and mentorship? He broke down. I want, at some point, I wanted to ask him, why do you have coconut head? How many times must God say it to you before you listen? How many times? Let me tell you something. Silent leadership or non-spectacular leadership is oftentimes a sign of intimacy. You understand? And not just intimacy, but maturity also. And an example I will always use, when you were growing up, when you were a baby in the womb, it is said that the baby starts to recognize the mother's voice from the womb and then other voices and then with time, the father's voice and other voices from the womb. So now you've come out. You are hearing voices, but you don't know what they mean. Um, mother will tell you, stop that, you start laughing. <laughs> because it sounded funny. You are still an infant, you don't know anything. But as you grow, you now learn to discern emotion. Your mother says, stop it, and then you are now, mm, you are scared. Right? Good. You now get to a point, you are now grown more. If visitor comes to the house, they want to offer you money. You look at your mother. Your mother looks at you. You see her see you. And you will know that if I touch this money, I'm in trouble. Do you realize that as you grew, discernment increased? And so the mode of communication was less spectacular. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was less spectacular. At some point, you, you are now older. You call your mom. You say, uh, good morning, my sister. This one, you remembered me today. She didn't say anything wrong, but you, you know the intent behind that statement to say, our mommy is not like that now. Because as you grow, leading becomes less spectacular and more intimate. Now, Part of the things that will help you grow in divine leading is paying attention to past leading. Don't be a stubborn child. 
if God always has to lead you by some spectacular voice in disguise or, you know, a series of spectacular events, it may just be that you are not grown. And that's why. It may be. Are you following what I'm saying? I don't mean to diss you. I don't mean to offend you. But that might just be the problem. You've refused to grow up. Some of us, we enjoy meetings where they come out and then somebody will now call us out and give us a word. And it's a word that has confirmed the word that has been given like 10 times before. We now start crying. And I say, truly, God sees me. Remember last week I told you, God doesn't lead you for you. And he's not leading you to boost your ego or stroke your emotions. None of that. So God told you to do something weeks ago, months ago, years ago. How did he tell you? He told you in a dream. You heard it in your spirit. He told you in many ways. Now, this is something you must also note. Every believer hears God's voice. Do you hear me? Remember, Jesus said, my sheep do what? My sheep do what? If you heard God's voice to answer the call to salvation, you can hear God's voice. I heard a man of God say this and it was profound. The first person man ever spoke to after creation was God. The first voice man ever heard after creation was who? There was no Eve. So speaking to God is more natural than speaking to other people. Every believer hears God's voice. Every one of you. The problem is we don't discern it. Every believer is led, not will be, is led by God. Every believer. In many instances, you find believers that say, I don't hear God's voice. I don't know what it sounds like when God is talking. But then later they are sharing um, an experience. Something told me to not go that way. I don't know. It, it, it was just this strong, I, I, I just had this nudge inside me. Or you see a believer that will say something like, my spirit just doesn't agree. I don't know why my spirit doesn't agree. My spirit doesn't just agree with the person. What the believer has failed to realize is that God was leading and they were not, they didn't know it. I just, I don't know, I just felt like going to this man's room. I just felt like calling my uncle. It was God's leading. The problem is, we think God's leading will only come by a voice in your heart. My son, call your uncle now. Say, who is speaking? Say, I am El Shaddai. Call your uncle or you shall die. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but sometimes, the leading of God is just, if it's, the Bible says he, he, he works in you to will and to do. The willing part is to have a feeling to do it. Is that correct? So when we will to do some things, it's the leading of God. Sometimes people ask me, how do I know I've been called into ministry? A very major way God calls people into ministry is by putting a desire in their hearts. You don't know where it came from. Suddenly you started to notice those poor children on your street. Now, you, you're beginning to, you, you've never done this before. It's not like you to think about it. But you're thinking, how much will it cost to put three of these children in school? Is the leading of God. Obey it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ah, yes. 
Don't wait till somebody now stops you and says, I'm, I'm seeing children around you. But you're not married. I'm seeing brown streets. Is that your street? Say yes. I'm seeing children on that street. I'm seeing school. I do have a school. Say no, I'm planning to put them in school. Say yes, that's the law. You do not say yes. I received God's word. That's how many of us like we love. Ah, we like it. Die. Say sharp prophet, accurate prophecy, spot on. But when God was leading you by putting the desire in your heart, you weren't paying attention. You really weren't. Suddenly, you that used to enter bus before and sleep, some people, as they just sit down and the bus begins to move, glory to glory, they've gone to heaven. You have to wake them or bring them back. Oh, wow. But now you, you, enter, you enter your bus and you're looking around and suddenly you just start feeling this nudge. Preach. Preach. He's the leading of God. Obey it. Amen? Amen. God doesn't only lead you when it's time to go to Canada. He also leads you to preach in the bus. Do you hear me? He also leads you to preach on your streets. Yeah, these boys, they, you and them, you are guys who, they, they hail you. You say if you, they hail them. You, they do things together, but on the street, they know the most high. And it's not God I'm talking about. And so, you are passing by, and then one day, God points one of them out to you and says, I want you to take this person up, pray for him, and preach to him. One person. You see the person I'm... Not yet, anything. Some of them, they come to you for help very frequently. And every time they come to you for help, when they go, you just have it in your heart. You didn't hear any voice. You just had it in your heart now. I know that I'm helping this, but it would be, be nice to preach to them also. I'm glad to announce to you that that's the leading of the Lord, my dear brother or sister. Amen. Amen. You know, God never called Joshua into ministry. Do you know? Joshua, the one that led Israel after Moses, God never called him. There was no Josh, there was no call. There was a call for Gideon. There was a call for Moses. There's none for Joshua. Joshua just served. He was just serving under Moses. There was a desire to serve, and the man served. And in the in the in the line of service, God called him to lead an entire nation. There's so much to say about that. This is not a minister's class. But this applies. One way God leads you, majorly. In fact, it is a major way God leads his children. A major way is through sanctified desires. It is through sanctified desires. It's a major way God leads his children. I dare say, that it almost competes with the inward witness. You know what is the inward witness? You just begin to have this knowing in your heart or this voice in your heart telling you what to do. It almost competes with it. In fact, many times, more believers have been led by sanctified desires. It was Nehemiah's ministry to rebuild the wall. But God didn't appear to Nehemiah and say, my son, you will now become a bricklayer. Start building walls. No. 
He had a desire in his heart to do it for his nation. It's a way God leads. So ask yourself, maybe these things that suddenly I started to see things, notice things that I didn't used to notice before. I started to have inclinations towards things I didn't I just felt more things to do for the Lord, for the church, for the word, for people. I, maybe it's just God leading me in that direction. Now, taking it beyond um, the work of ministry now, even into your normal mundane life, Something you used to love before, the love has grown cold, and suddenly there's this love for something else that's coming from somewhere you can't explain. Investigate it. Remember, I taught you last week, investigate. Learn to investigate. Take your time and pray, God, all my life I had thought I would do mass communication, but suddenly I'm having this desire for product management. And I know it's not just because that's where most people are. It's just there in my heart. What are you saying I should do? Help me. Sometimes God will tell you, oh, move. Some other times it will look like he's quiet. Then you now understand another thing. God leads us through circumstances. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so like, like um, Jesus' mother, you will tell Jesus they don't have wine. Jesus will tell you, go away. It's not my time. And then you will turn to the disciples and say, whatever he says you should do, do it. And so you've prayed, should I do project management or product management or whatever? And then you had this other thing you wanted to do and you're praying and then suddenly God begins to bring opportunities your way. And God never said do product management, but a job came, you were praying and God said, take this job, not this one. And it's a product management job. Ah, so this is where God would have me be. You hear what I'm saying? Ah. I wish many of us understood how God led. Because we will have less instances of people making terrible mistakes. Because they were waiting for God's voice to thunder from heaven. If God thundered from heaven, every time a believer wanted thunder, we'll never, there will, it's only thunder you'll be hearing. But everybody always wants thunder from heaven. In the subject of divine leading, always realize God is more interested in leading you than you are in following Praise the Lord. And do not factor out, do not negate the divine providence of God. God is able to, see, trust it, trust it, that God is able to communicate with me, for me. That the leading of the Spirit can be dynamic. Can be dynamic. So Sometimes, the Holy Spirit has led you in ways that you can't really explain to anybody why that makes sense to you. Only you knows why it makes sense. And nobody can shake you from it. It's a sign and it makes sense. Are you following what I'm saying? When it was time for us to buy a car, my wife and I, that's two options. And then the one I drive now was not my choice. If you know anything about Ford, in Nigeria, they, they give wahala steady, normal. And so I was telling my wife, I'm afraid of buying this car. I had a friend who bought a Ford. He didn't drive that Ford for up to two months. The car packed up. Oh, one issue after the other, electrical problem. Because I'm afraid of buying this car. And so we started praying about it. Not even, we didn't seriously pray about it, we just 
God help us. Just a little prayer. And something started happening. Almost every other person we approached to sell us a vehicle offered us this car. Same make, same year, same color. Like four people. I'm serious. So, there was no God telling me, my son, you will buy Ford. Do you hear me? That's, it didn't happen. But at some point, I told myself that if I don't buy this car, and I buy another car, and that car should not save where I will regret it. Because the signs were too glaring. Like on more than two instances, more than three instances, they will offer me a car and they will say, we have one that we know you will like. They will show me the car. Same make, same color. You've seen my car, huh? It's not white, it's not black, it's orange. Same color, same. Right? Same year. Ah. I just called the first person that, we, the first one we saw. I said, we'll, we'll, buy, we'll collect the car, we'll buy it. That's, sometimes that's the way God leads. Now, somebody will not tell me, why did you buy the car? I don't know how to explain to you that <laughs> God led us this way. <laughs> said, did you hear God's voice? Not really. I just saw it in many places at the same time. I just felt. The person will say, ah, so? It's coincidence. You have always told you. People will always have an explanation for something supernatural. It doesn't negate the supernatural um, nature of what happened. They'll say it's, it's coincidence. Haven't you noticed? And it's true. This one is true. When you buy a car, you start seeing the car everywhere. When you meet someone that you didn't meet before, you start seeing the person everywhere. Uh, that's what was happening. Uh, it's not what happened. Me, I know how God led me. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? God will lead you for you. Say amen. amen. And you will know when he's leading you. Say amen. amen. You will be sensitive to God's leading. Say amen. amen. Let's not be insensitive. Let our ears not be blocked. Let's not be blind to the leading of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Especially when the leading is, is there on your heart. It's nagging. It's not going anywhere. Pay attention to it. Praise the Lord. Let me make sure I've gone through my notes. Ah. There was a story in 1 Samuel. I'll wrap up with this. Saul had gone. Saul's dad had lost some of his donkeys. And Saul went out with his servant to look for said lost donkeys. And when Saul woke up that morning... Saul believed that he was going to look for donkeys. And so in the, mid, in, in, in the middle of looking for these donkeys, they hadn't found donkeys anywhere. They were getting frustrated. The servant said, I know a prophet. He stays not too far from here. If we can't find donkeys by looking, at least by word of knowledge, this guy can tell us where the donkeys are. Listen, in our lives, maybe may the supernatural be that dependable. Say Amen. By word of knowledge, this guy can tell us where the donkeys are. I sometimes think about the prophetic ministry of that time, and I pray to God that we don't lose it. That people know that if we meet this person for something as mundane, they're not asking for destiny choices, so it's donkey. 
something as mundane as where donkeys are, if we meet him, he will tell us where it is. May we be such people. Say amen. amen. And so they went to meet Samuel, not knowing that the Lord had spoken to Samuel before that these two people are coming to meet you, the tall-looking one, anointing his king. So, Saul went looking for donkeys and came back with a throne. But this is the interesting thing. In, he woke up that morning, left the house, looking for donkeys, walking up and down. At some point, the servants offered to go to the prophets. They argued. They went to the prophets. What Saul didn't know was that God was ordering his steps towards the leadership of Israel. He didn't know that. And this is what's happening in many of you, your lives. God is ordering your steps towards a destiny, a future that he has created for you. And you don't know it. It doesn't look like it. I mean, there is no correlation between looking for donkeys and becoming king. None. If at the end of that day, you know, before that day began, someone called Saul and said, you know, by this time tomorrow you'll be king of Israel. Saul will say me. You know what you're saying? Because of all the tribes in Israel, Saul's tribe was the least. He was the least. And his family was the least in the tribe. So as far as qualification for the role goes, he was very, very unqualified. You say you become king in Israel. Say me. Are you whining me? Not knowing that the search for the donkey, and he could have woken up that morning, the donkeys are missing, and it's, it's just that God, why must my life be like this? I, I had other plans today. Why can't I? Why is it don- donkeys that are missing? Why didn't you just help us keep it in place? Sometimes, those misfortunes we complain about are pathways towards a destiny that God has created for you. The issue is this. We complain too much. Imagine Saul's dad telling him, Saul, please go and look for donkeys. He say, is it every day that your donkey used to lose? Maybe you should go and look for the donkeys for once so that you will understand what it means to look for donkey. And that's, you would have lost out of it. Praise Jesus. Say, God leads me. Say, God's leading is looking for me. Good. Samuel had already seen vision since. He had bought the oil. That somebody's coming to your house and you will anoint him. Saul didn't know that he was going to be anointed king. He was just going to Samuel's house to go and look for donkey. That's the way God makes people's paths collide. And when God causes somebody to come your way, don't chase the person away. Let me just take a very quick one-minute detour to talk about supernatural relationships. Don't go to Saul, don't go to Samuel's house and misbehave. It's true. Many of us we've missed out on where God will have us be. Because the girl that God sent to help us, we try to date her. The man that God sent to help us, we try to date him. You don't have any definition for relationships in your life. You don't know how to maintain good relationships. You don't know, come on, don't miss out on supernatural relationships. Don't do it. Praise the Lord. I know this part I'm saying is not necessarily a teaching on divine leading, but I feel led to say this. 
There are people that since they came into your life, your life changed. And you noticed it. Don't get too familiar. Don't, don't, don't abuse the relationship that God has given to you. You know, with that person. Value it. Take care of it. Nurture it. God will bring the relationship. He will not tell you how to nurture it. That one is common sense. Some people will never help you again because the last time they helped you, you just sent them a text message. Thank you for all you do. And disappeared. I'm talking to you. Repent. Repent. Stop it. Nobody's asking you to buy them a house. Or just take a small bottle of wine or a bottle of granules if you don't have so much. I say, I don't have much. But this is a token of my appreciation. Be intentional about keeping relationships. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be intentional about keeping and nurturing relationships. When, when someone has given you access, don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. When you first met the person, the person was sa, ma, sa, ma. But now, now don't sabi yourselves more. So it is. There was a young man when I just started pastoring. There was a young man. He too was a pastor, but he hadn't begun ministry. He was a student pastor in school. And I was, I already pastored the church. By virtue of the fact that I already pastored the church, I had some more wisdom when it comes to administrative excellence in ministry and more resources generally. And if you know me, I particularly like to assist young ministers anywhere I find them. If you are just starting, I will give you whatever you need. Because I believe we are all doing the same work. And I, I give advice also, you know, when you ask. And then if we've attained some level of relationship, I give advice freely. And so this young man put something on his WhatsApp status. I was vulgar, you know. And I, and I messaged him and I said, Sir, you're a pastor. And I know, you know, there's some things that are mildly vulgar. So it's not like it's out there using the F word and anything. But there are some things that you shouldn't just say, you know, as a minister. So I said to him, you're a minister, you can't say this. And he said, why? He's just being real. I said, my brother, you're not being real. You're being vulgar. The real you. He's saved in Christ. He's not vulgar. You're not being real. And so he goes off saying, who made you my spiritual father? He, there was a whole conversation. And so he went from calling me Pastor Oge Poco to calling me my first name. And if you know me, I don't mind. I really don't. But if you also know me, you will know. If you insult me one time, I will, I will not hate you. I will not, it's not like I will not forgive you. I will forgive you. But that relationship, I will rather just draw back small. That please, let's avoid further occurrences of this episode. All right. And so I just withdrew from him. And a couple of years later, I was talking to other pastor friends of mine, all doing ministry. This guy now, I think three years later decided he wants to plant a church 
For those that don't know, planting a church is hard work. It's very hard. And if you don't have people to support you, you can almost get depressed doing it. And so this guy wants to plant a church. And a couple of us who have already planted churches, we wanted to, we actually, I actually called a couple of people and said, let's reach out and help Pastor Jatala Kuz. And almost everyone said the same thing. I want to reach out and help, but this guy has insulted me before. So if he comes to meet us for help, we will help. But we will not offer assistance he did not ask us for. This is the danger. He can't come and ask for help because he has broken that relationship. And so men that God puts in your life that were supposed to help you three years later, three years ago, you scattered it. Learn to value supernatural relationships. Do you hear what I'm saying? Learn to value supernatural relationships. And not just value them, nurture them, grow them. Praise the Lord. Were you blessed today? Did you learn something today? All right, stand up. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you because you lead us. Thank you because you guide us. We are led and kept by you. Be glorified in the name of Jesus. We just pray that we will not be insensitive to your leading in the name of Jesus. We will know what you are saying per time. And we will follow per time in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.